This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another episode of Five on Three, WFUV's NHL podcast. Back remote because of the driving rainstorm coming through the Bronx right now. Tom Quigley making his Five on Three debut. Mike Messina coming back with us for an episode about a lot of different things, including some struggles up in Toronto, a big week from Ilya Sorokin and a tough loss last night for the Rangers. Mike, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, great to be back on five on three with you. It, it's been a couple episodes. I, I think the last time I was on, um, I think I made my Eastern Conference selections and then I yeah. haven't been back on the program since. So I'm, I'm happy to be back. For sure. So Quiggs, you haven't gone to the garden yet, right? I've not. I haven't right. had the privilege yet. So Tom's going to be out there with Colin and Colin was there last night. I know. So we let him sleep in a little bit today. Um, and what was an interesting game against Calgary, they lost five to one and ended up being, um, I thought the Rangers looked really slow. Honestly, I, I got to watch a bunch of this game. They looked really slow and Shesterkin looked human, which he hasn't looked in a long time uh, outside of the third period against Ottawa. They've played two poor games back to back. They benefited from, a bad call and a great comeback against the senators to win that game three to two on Saturday. But Mike, after, after three straight wins, it's been two games where you start to, to worry about the team, although it's been a hell of a start. Yeah. And and something that they struggled with last night, especially was the turnovers, the turnovers in the first period were, I I believe they had nine takeaways in the first period. and, And it's just, not okay like they this, this is something that this team can't be doing Gerard Gallant has harped on this since day one that if this team needs to win they need to stop turning the puck over and, and make shots on uh, get shots on net and, and produce some offense for this team he, he said last night I believe it was um no matter how good the defense plays if you don't have any offense you're not going to win the game and, and he's right I, I mean they look slow they look sluggish it looked like they didn't want to win and Chris you mentioned Shesterkin looking human and you're right I, I mean it, it just looked like every shot that they were taking was going in last night and there was really nothing they could do. They cut it to a two, one deficit. I think it was in the second period. And then it just was downhill, downhill after that. And they never really felt like they were ready to play or really wanted to win this game. I mean, personally, I thought Igor looked pretty good in the first period. He was stopping a lot of shots that were directly the result of turnovers in the defensive zone, which is, you know, obviously a huge ill for the Rangers right now, especially last night is very clear um, that that was directly causing, you know, the second goal that was, that was horrific. Uh, and I, I think a few others were basically the direct, the direct result of turnovers in the defensive zone, which is obviously something you can work on, but it's, it's not a great sign um, from this defense. Uh, but yeah, of course, I mean, later on in the game, Igor let some goals in that, you know, I don't even think are like directly his fault. I thought he looked, yeah, obviously he let, you know, five in, but it it's not like his defense is really helping him out terribly. And as far as the offense, they looked super slow in the first period. In the second period, they actually had some terrific shifts. Uh, and it was really, I was really surprised that a lot of, you know, I mean, bounces just didn't go their way. They had a lot of chances that they just, you know, didn't take advantage of. Um, and, you know, as soon as, they got that goal to come back, you know, to make it a one goal deficit. And it wasn't too long before Calgary kind of just started pounding it on. And uh, before they knew it, the game was out of reach. So 
Uh, obviously, like it's your first game at home after, you know, a very successful uh, road streak. So, you know, there's going to be a little bit of nerves like going back into the building. So, you know, I get it, but it, it was a bit of a sluggish start. And hopefully, you know, for their next game, they, they bounce back a little bit better. Yeah, Igor definitely kept a minute in the first period because that could have been more than one to nothing. And one thing that was concerning was what you mentioned, Tom. They they go they cut the lead to two to one, and then the next two minutes is a complete domination from Calgary, and they're going to play Coleman goal. And it was like, wait a second, you had an opportunity to tie this game at two with 15 minutes to go in the in the game, and Calgary just completely dominated play. Jacob Markstrom was fantastic for Calgary, but I think that that shift right after the two shifts, right after the Kevin Rooney goal were kind of what sealed this for, for Calgary. Uh, and it ends with a Blake Coleman goal, uh, like like 12 minutes to go. And that was it. Three to one turns into four to one turned into five to one with five seconds to go. Um, and the the win streak is over for the Rangers, but it was a very successful road trip. As you mentioned, it was four consecutive wins. We talked about the Toronto um, victory last time. Uh, they beat Nashville. They beat Ottawa in the time since. Um, the Ottawa win was interesting because they go down two to nothing. They were kind of sluggish all throughout, and then they benefit from a tough call against Ottawa. They go to the power play. They score. They score two more goals, uh, and they win the game. It was a complete collapse from the Senators. Um, but I think that's credit to the Rangers, honestly, because they. Yeah, it was a poor call, but they could have laid down and died in the power play and still lost two to nothing. Um, but they they played a really heck, heck of a third period there. But this letdown game kind of felt like it was going to happen, right? Because Ottawa was almost the letdown game, and then eventually they were just going to slow down. Yeah, and, and I was honestly surprised to see Georgia in net in that Ottawa game with how Welsh or Sturkin was playing. I know that was circulating around. Um, the media, like, why, why is he playing? What, why, why is the team taking Shesterkin out while he's playing as well as he's doing? And I can't play him every game. It's Ottawa. They're not good. Yeah. But, but you have to let your goaltender get in a groove and let him go in. And this is what happened last year with David Quinn as well. Shesterkin wins three games in a row. Then he puts Georgia in and they go on a six game losing streak. And it just doesn't add up where the mindset comes in that if your goaltender is playing good, no matter how bad your opponent is to put your backup in. I, I mean, I think that you just got to ride with your if he's playing well. And obviously if he's struggling, you take him out, give Georgia have a turn in, in net, but I just don't agree with the, the, the move to, to put Georgia in when, when Shesterkin's playing his best hockey of, uh, of this early season. And I mean, they benefited from him and they won. Kreider had a big goal, they big two points in that game for him. But I just don't understand that move to to switch up the goaltending this early when he's playing this well. I mean, I get it from the standpoint of like it's similar to like a catcher in baseball. It's it's pretty grueling to just you know play every game uh, in front of the net, and you know obviously there are a lot fewer back to backs as there used to be. But uh, you know it can be grueling. So uh, and you, you mix in some some starts for Georgiev, and I I'm, I don't have a huge problem with that. Uh, even if uh, Igor is just on a ridiculous hot streak, which he has been, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have a huge issue with that. I mean, they um, did, they did play seven games in twelve days too, which exactly. obviously plays a big part in who's going to be in the lineup and where they're going to be playing. But I don't know, they, they, they just looked sloppy that game. They looked sloppy this game, but they were able to pull out that win in Ottawa. Yeah, I also like to mention. I mean, these past like this past road trip. 
it's not at all indicative of what this Rangers season is going to be unless like you're ridiculously naive and hopeful. Um, The Rangers aren't going to play like this. It's still going to be an absolute grind even to make it to the playoffs, I think. Um, So yeah, this game was kind of inevitable, this game against Calgary. Uh, And I guess just seeing how they bounce back from it will be pretty indicative of what they are this season. Yeah, they have benefited from a little bit of an easy schedule and that's going to continue with games against Columbus Seattle, Vancouver, uh, the next three games, but then they got Edmonton on the road as well. So they head out, head out for the Western Canada trip next week. Uh, I think they're second place right now in the, in the metropolitan division, obviously very early, but they're, they're third. Oh, they're third now. Cause of, cause of the loss. Okay. So I know that they were first before yesterday and then Carolina won and they've been so hot too, Carolina, but I yeah, Rangers know. in third nine points and set until, until December. What's up? Who knows when they'll when they'll get their first loss? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've just been they've been absolutely absolutely fantastic. Nine points in seven games for the Rangers. Okay, so last time we spoke, uh, it was not panic button time for the Islanders, but I did call the game against Chicago a must win because of how much I've made fun of Chicago for the last few months, uh, and they did win it. Uh, they won that one four to one after a really bad first period. Then they came out and gave up two goals at the end of the second period to Columbus and completely took the air out of the entire team, lost that one in overtime. And then Ilya Sorokin with back-to-back shutouts against Arizona and Vegas. Obviously that's not terribly impressive considering Vegas has no players on their team anymore because all of them are hurt and Arizona's trying to lose, but to play back-to-back games and throw shutouts in both and have over 60 saves is impressive. Nonetheless, um, they've looked better. Uh, in these games, I think there's still room for improvement, of course, but now they have an entire week off to rest and get back home. I'm sure they're home by now um, before they head back on the road for Saturday's game against Nashville. Mike, I think that this this five days, I'm not a fan of the October scheduling in the NHL. It aggravates me every single year. They play like one game in the next 11 days. Um, but I think that this five days off comes at a perfect time because they had just played a back-to-back and their goalie has been grinding as you talked about with Sorokin, uh, with Shesterkin and Georgiev for all hurt and they don't trust Corey Schneider. So it's Sorokin all the way so far and so far so good. Yeah. And I completely agree. It comes at the best time. Shesterkin, we're getting these names mixed up here. Sorokin coming off back-to-back shutouts. I mean, I feel like this is the best time for this five, six day off, uh, off street to come because he's not going to be playing like lights out for six days in a row, you know, so this time get him some rest, get his body rejuvenated, regenerated and ready to go for, I think, when do they play next? The 30th? Saturday. Yeah, Saturday at, at, at Nashville. So I think this is perfect. It, it gives the entire team time to rest, gives Barzal, Josh Bailey. It really just gives everyone time for their bodies to, to become more healthy than they are and, and try and get back in the win column. And this is coming after there was a lot of talk a lot of talk in the beginning of the season when they lost the first couple of games and wondering where the Islanders are, if they're still a good team. And now it pretty much seems like that talks over after winning, after getting these back-to-back shutouts, it seems like all the Islanders fans on social media are back within their shell and are okay with how the Islanders have been performing lately. What the Islanders are trying to do right now is, is kind of impressive and, and definitely, you know, an unfortunate way to start your season 13 games on the road. Um, but if you're an Islanders fan right now, you really can't be complaining too much because, I mean, you're winning on the road and 
you're doing it with a backup goalie who is, you know, overperforming definitely and, you know, really boosting up the team. But if you can enter, you know, if you can, you've already gone through this really tough, like half of these 13 games um, going three and two and one, I think. Uh, So, you know, you can't be too mad about that. And if you can continue that for this next seven games, head into the opening of UBS arena with, a winning record. I mean, that's, you know, a pretty impressive way to start the season, knowing that you're going to have so many backloaded home games in front of, you know, a, a very excited crowd in a very brand new arena. Um, you got to like where you are if, if you're the Islanders right now. Chris, let me ask you this. Yeah. Obviously, a diehard Islanders fan you are. What are your thoughts currently from what they were the first couple games of the season? I just want to hear from, from an, an Islander fan perspective. Yeah, so last week we were talking about it where I wasn't terribly panicked uh, because Carolina and Florida, and now you look at where Carolina and Florida are, right? They're two of the best teams in the league. Now that them have lost a game. So now I think especially with that, you can say, yeah, there was no reason to panic. They're two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Now the counter-argument to that is you're supposed to be the best team in the Eastern Conference. So I, I understand that too, but I wasn't terribly panicked. Um, I, I said that they needed to be Chicago. They did be Chicago. I was definitely upset with this Columbus loss. I thought that was a game they should have won. They dominated the first period. They dominated 18 minutes of the second period, let a power play get to them, and then died on the next shift. Um, but after what you saw this weekend, I don't think there's any reason to be concerned. And then on Monday, they put Corey Schneider on waivers, which signals that Varlamov is good to come back. So whether he plays against Nashville or – uh, he he waits until the next game, which is like another four or five days after that. Um, I don't know, but with how well Ilya uh, Sorokin is playing, I mean, you mentioned he's a backup goalie. Like, yeah, sure, technically he is, but he's he's supposed to be as good of a goalie as there is in the National Hockey League. That's what he was advertised to Islander fans as for years, and that's what he's proven over the last two games. Uh, after he had two really bad games against uh, Carolina and Florida, I don't think that that can be overstated. Um, but he certainly bounced back. He was the third star of the week this week. So I'm not concerned. I mean, if you had just told me after that headed into the first break, they're three, two, and one, I'd have been like, yeah, sure. And if you're telling me now that headed into the final game of the road trip, they'll be six, four, and two, double it. The next six games, they go three, two, and one again. Sure, fine. Because then you're headed into the Calgary game with a winning record. I don't have no problem with that. Um, so that that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. I, I think that they – they have an opportunity here to, to take a couple of games. The next three games are against weaker opponents. Winnipeg struggled. Montreal has been really bad. Uh, and Nashville has not been fantastic either. So I think that those three games are winnable. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I am I'm obviously cautiously, cautiously optimistic as I am with this team pretty consistently. Um, headed on to the Devils where the only story this year was Dougie Hamilton and Jack Hughes. Hamilton's been just okay. He's blocked a ton of ice time, um, but he had rough game and one of their last, recent games. I don't remember which one. Um, and now Jack Hughes is injured with a separated shoulder. He went down on a pretty tough hit in the corner. Uh, this is supposed to be, I think we jokingly called it last week, the Jack Hughes glow up here. Um, and now it's out with a separated shoulder, uh, which is a pretty lengthy recovery. So hopefully he's back in a few weeks time, but um it's going to be a tough go of it for the Devils here without their best player. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much touched on everything that that we need to talk about for the Devils. Wise, Jack Hughes is out. I mean, other than him and Dougie Hamilton, who is like like you said, logging a ton of ice time, like he should be, um, has two points. Jack Hughes has three. Um, actually, a 
seven guys, six guys on the team all have three points, which are top on their team right now. But look, they just don't have all the right pieces right now, obviously, to to win all these games without their best player. And it's going to be a struggle going forward. Um, They're going to have to grind. They're going to have to look in the free agent market to see who they can pick up, if they can even pick up anybody. But without Hughes, I'm not sure how long that timetable is, Chris. I'm not sure if you if you saw something in an article, how long he'll be out. But that is a huge blow for the Devils team. And I'm not sure how many games they're going to be able to win without him. I, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I'm going to pull it up right now to see who they have coming up. Calgary. So he got injured on Thursday, right? Yeah. So I, I believe the plan was that they would reevaluate him in a week. So on Thursday, we're going to have more information. Uh, but yeah, separated shoulder that definitely takes some time to heal. Uh, although they were definitely uh, worried it might be, you know, something broken or something worse. So um, positive news that it's just a separated shoulder dislocation, you know, it's just going to take time to heal. But, um, you know, that's, re- that's a really tough break for the, for the Devils because that is their franchise right there. And without him, it's, it's going to be tough to win games, obviously tough to you know draw crowds because that is the guy that everybody shows up to see um but you know we'll see they've gone three and one in their first four games they've played the fewest of any team in the metro other than the the flyers i guess um so so far so good but you know it's going to be a tough stretch without their their young gun yeah and it's amazing how the tune changes because last week we were talking about how well they have some pretty winnable games here early. They could head on the road for their first road game, which is Saturday against Pittsburgh at four and one, which they could do if they beat Calgary tonight. Um, but Calgary's been pretty good, and now without Jack Hughes, it's just man, when are we going to get him back into the lineup? And that's that's what this season is about for the Devils is to see the growth from Hughes, to see the greatness from Hamilton. Um, and Blackwood's still out with the injury, but Jonathan Bernier has been pretty good. So um, I don't think that's you know. Mackenzie Blackwood is another player who I think you wanted to see strides from this year. And that's obviously still a question mark because he has not played. Um, he was named, however, to the long list for Canada's um, goaltenders. They, they were able to submit like six guys or something like that because of Carey Price's current situation. So Carey Price, Mark Andre Fleury, Jordan Bennington, um, Darcy Kemper, and somebody else and Mackenzie Blackwood were all on the list. Um, so th- they see him as, as a pretty solid goaltender. And, um, when he gets back, I think that it will be, it'll be his net to lose. And, uh, the devils need him to not lose it. And I think that's definitely a key for this year. And, um, now you have two big injuries, but the team has shown something honestly in the last four games that they got a little bit of juice to him. They, they did struggle against Buffalo in the first game without, without Hughes, but they ended up winning that one in overtime. I think that they they could show a little something here. Not that they're going to make the playoffs, but they could be a fun, fun team this year when they get both of those guys back. Yeah, and especially you met, you mentioned Mackenzie Blackwood, who sent us that tweet yesterday, getting getting oh, um, yeah, that's right. in the process of getting vaccinated so he'll be able to play in Canada and all those games he won't have to miss, which is huge, obviously, for the Devils and really for the NHL as a whole, just, just cutting down that number of unvaccinated players and really just being able to perform at your best considering the circumstances and now that he'll be able to be in a locker room and be with his guys, be with the teammates. Um, that'll be good going forward that, that he's able to play, obviously. Yeah. I wonder if it was a little bit motivated by being named to that Canada potential. Because he uh, wasn't going to be able to go if he wasn't vaccinated. Exactly. Especially in Canada where, you know, the, the rules are just a lot more strict than they are here. So, uh, I mean, 
that's definitely a good site for the Devils. You want to keep a little bit of stability in the net. Uh, having to use your backup for every candidate or game in Canada would be an absolute. That would just be brutal and could very well just you know jeopardize his starting role. So uh, good to see that, and uh, hopefully we don't really have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> we don't. Rangers are all vaccinated because of the mandate. Islanders are all vaccinated because Lou told them to, and now all the doubles are. So we're good now on this podcast. I don't know about Pick and Pod. <laughs> Pick and Pod, yep. It could be number one, number one topic on Pick and Pod until Kyrie comes back. Um, but, yeah, so the Devils tonight against Calgary and then Saturday there in Pittsburgh. Okay, so we'll move away from the locals. We'll head over to more national talk, and we'll start with the Kraken because – uh, they had a really awesome game last week. Uh, it was Saturday night uh, against Vancouver. They opened up their building, um, and they talked about like the history of the building and how it's built under the same roof as the Sonics building was. And um, they, it's this one point one billion dollar arena with history, like a, and they are a, um, a franchise with history already. And they lost the game to Vancouver. They've really struggled. They're one four and one. Grubauer has not looked good at all. Um, but a fun night. The The number one talking point coming out of this, I think, was uh, the retiring of the number 32. Um, oh I thought this was the cheesiest thing I've ever seen um, until I was reminded that Minnesota, on the first day of their franchise, retired the number one for having the number one fans in the league, uh, oh. which is so much worse. So um, that oh, was my God. main takeaway besides a, lo- a tough loss. So what was your uh, – Tom, we'll start with you. What was your main takeaway from opening night of uh, Climate Pledge Arena? Well, I definitely did not expect the level of renovation to be like this. Like all of the videos you saw from like people just like entering the arena, there's just like LED screens, like massive screens everywhere. It like looks like an aquarium in there, uh, which is kind of awesome um, based on like what used to be the key arena, which is like, in an all right arena for like the Sonics back in the day, but really nothing special. And they've made it into uh, kind of a destination um, in the NHL. And you saw like signs outside the arena that were like, bring the Sonics back and like stuff like that. So it might be a, uh, a, a nice bargaining chip to get an NBA franchise in there. But uh, you know, with the Kraken, yeah, they've had a tough start. Um, I think it'd be unreal. It's, it's unrealistic to compare them to what Vegas was in 2017, 18, because they just had the, the luck of, of getting, and it wasn't, I guess, not luck, but the fortune of having uh, a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who's just a Stanley Cup winning goalie who can, you know, jumpstart your team into having a, a phenomenal first season. You know, the Kraken don't really have that. They're a pretty, you know, aggressive team. They uh, definitely have some some uh some tough guys but they're just not like really built yet um for any sort of regular season playoff run um you know based on their current squad so I don't, it would be unfair to compare them this is about where you know a franchise that's you know just starting usually is an expansion franchise just right right around the bottom um and they'll probably improve as as we go along they've only had one home game thus far um, but it's definitely exciting. I like, I like their jerseys, um, their home jerseys, at least. I think there are away jerseys or, you know, I could take them or leave them, but, um, it, it's going to be a cool rivalry between those two teams, between Vancouver and Seattle up in the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, kind of just excited to see where the, the franchise goes from here because, uh, 
there's definitely a lot of hype around the team, even if they're not playing terribly well. But uh, it's it's interesting to see, uh, you know, a, a new team up there in in uh, the Puget Sound area. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I love the whole aquarium themed. I, I thought it was thought it was pretty cool. There's not many entrances I enjoy more than Vegas. Like like their like their opening night one was awesome. Um, Seattle was right there for me. I thought it was awesome. Um, Vince Dunn scores the first goal in that arena. The crowd erupts. It, it was. I didn't watch much much of the game, but I did get to catch that first goal. Um, and the crowd erupted. It, it was obviously besides like the main garden and like sporting events. It was very loud, one of the loudest, I, I much louder than I thought it was going to be. And it was just a cool experience to watch, to be able to see them score that first goal. But they, I agree, they they obviously just do not have the players, the staff that Vegas had in their inaugural season. So I don't think they're going to have such a great season. But I do think Philip Grubauer is a great goaltender and perfectly capable of doing what Marc-Andre Fleury did. And even more than that, I think he was great with Colorado, and I think he can be great with Seattle. They just need the pieces in front of him to kind of step up and play defense and play offense and protect the puck from him, block pucks for him, and really just be that brick wall that Grubauer needs in front of him in order to to stop getting hundreds and hundreds of shots on that on him at all times. Um, there's something else I wanted to say, but I'm drawing a blank now. So Chris, you go. Yeah, it will be interesting to juxtapose Seattle against Vegas if Seattle is bad this year because. We saw Vegas where the main concern was, are they going to be able to feel the fan base for the long term? Right. Is it because we saw with Arizona? Yeah, they had a couple fans for a while, but now nobody goes to these games. So is Vegas going to be able to feel the fan base long term? Well, 109 points straight to the Stanley Cup final. That's a pretty good way to feel the fan base. Plus, then you get Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Alex Petrangelo, Robin Leonard, all these guys to come in and you're in the center of every free agent and trade rumor. Fans are going to come. If you if Seattle's bad this year, they miss the playoffs, and they're not going to be as aggressive as Vegas because it's impossible to be aggressive as aggressive as Vegas. Are they going to lose? That's less of a concern in Seattle because their sports fans are great. They're still going out to Mariners games. They haven't been relevant in 25 years. Um, so I think it's less of a concern there. But it will be interesting to see how opening night looks next year. And when opening night year two for Vegas was raising a Western Conference championship banner – and getting all excited for a new season. What if it, what if, you know, we're trying to bounce back from only getting 75 points last year uh, is the opening night for Seattle next year. How's that going to look? So that's something I'm interested in, but with how great that fan, with all great, all fan bases in Seattle between the Seahawks, the storm, the Sounders, all those teams um, have such great fan bases. So I don't think there's any, there's too much to be concerned about. Um, you mentioned the Sonics. You remember what you're going to say? Go. Yeah. Did you guys know, either of you know, did you guys know Brandon Tanev did not play hockey from ages 15 to 19? That was a fascinating stat. That was a fascinating fact. He dropped hockey at 15 and picked it back up when he was in college, and that was in the NHL. That is wild. Unbelievable. Wild. It's crazy. That, that was why I did hear that as well. Which Did his brother do that too? Because his brother's in the yeah, NHL. I believe it was both of them. That's insane. That is crazy. That, that's, just a, that's just like natural gifts right there. That's a that yeah. they could have been pro in any sport they wanted to. Um, yeah, yeah, but that that was an interesting, interesting fact. Uh, you mentioned the Sonics potentially, you know, coming back in some capacity. This building will be used as the home of the WNBA Seattle Storm. So there already is a basketball component to this arena, which I think is probably on purpose because they want the Sonics back. And mm. that'd be one of the few cities to have 
all like every single sport, right? They'd have football, basketball, baseball, hockey, WMEA, MLS. Um, that'd be, that'd be interesting for sure. Um, our right, last thing before we get out of here is the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've been really, really bad so far, like real bad. They lost again last night to Carolina, who we mentioned is just hot as anybody right now. They're five and zero, but this is a, a problem larger than just playing Carolina. They lost to Pittsburgh seven to one. Um, Pittsburgh without Malkin, Crosby, Gensel, Rust, uh, and again with Tristan Jari and Net, they lost seven to one. Um, they're two, four, and one after seven games. They've given up 23 goals. They've only scored 13. Um, it's been a really bad start for Toronto. There was a jersey thrown on the ice after one of their recent home losses. Uh, the The fan base appears fed up. Uh, I can hardly blame them for all they've gone through over the last five years, although I can't say it doesn't make me smile with joy. Yeah, they are – off to a rough start, losing their last four games, and they have – is today the 27th? No, they have the Blackhawks tomorrow, which, in retrospect, you think that should be an easy win for this Maple Leafs team with how bad this Blackhawks team is and, and just how this or, that organization is kind of going downhill and they need to make changes. And this is a perfect bounce-back game for this Maple Leafs team to, to kind of get in that win column. Look, you see Austin Matthews. I'm looking at their – season stats right now he is 20 ranked 23rd on the team uh 21st sorry he has zero points three games played no goals no assists I mean yeah he missed the first three games I believe it was two or three games but for a guy of his caliber he still has to be putting up points William Nylander is their best player right now has five points two goals three assists and really they're just not clicking at, at, as a whole like John Tavares Morgan Riley none of them are really clicking together and being cohesive on the ice where they just have that chemistry, like, like we're used to seeing from two, three last year, even. And we talked about last year where they can't win a playoff game right now. If they're playing like they are, we have to talk about, will they even make the playoffs this year? I mean, I personally think they will. And I think this is just a little bump in the road for them, but the, but the performance they've been putting out is abysmal. And I don't feel bad like you, Chris, I don't feel bad at all, but it, it, I just don't see this lasting too much longer. I know they're going to come into themselves and be able to play hockey that the fan base and other people outside of the fan base know they can play. It's just a matter of when, in my opinion. I know riots are more of a Vancouver thing, but if Toronto goes into uh, the <laughs> the United Center and, and gets beat by the Blackhawks on Wednesday, we might see some 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 pitchforks in the street because these fans are so fed up. It, everything that that really haunted them in those last three games, the playoffs against the Habs, uh, are really just they, it's the same thing that we're seeing right now. Their, their stars just aren't showing up. Marner and Matthews just they've combined for like what, like three points total in the season. It's, it's uh, abysmal. One, one, one point. point. One point. I know Matthews scored. Uh, yeah, he scored last night. Yeah. I think Sunday. Sunday. Or maybe no, it was last night. It was last night. Yeah. Well, this is uh, not. And Marner, I think, has has one point in the season, which is. Just really bad uh, from your your two guys that are supposed to be, you know, what were they, fourth and fifth in scoring last year? Like, yeah. it's a very slow start, um, and they don't seem to be, like, like too worried about it. Like, uh, Austin Matthews uh, had a quote on facing uh, Freddie Anderson um, in his first, you know, game back in Toronto, uh, and he basically just said, oh, it's going to be funny seeing him out there. And I'm sure 
everyone in Toronto sports media just took that and ran with it because like, oh, this guy, this guy doesn't care about how this team is just completely underperforming a team that was supposed to make a very deep run in the playoffs last year and ended up just falling in, in colossal fashion against one of your most hated rivals uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Um, I do think they're going to, you know, turn things around a little bit, but I mean, the longer this goes on, the longer, you know, you have to start winning games. If you want to get into the playoffs, obviously like it's, you know, 16 teams make it out of 32. So you just have to be, you know, better than average, but this team is so much, so below average right now. It's so subpar that if they don't, you know, make some changes real quick, we might start seeing this to be more of a trend than just a slow start. Yeah. Marner appears to be the guy whose head is on the chopping block first. They just gave Sheldon Keefe a contract extension and everybody loves Kyle Dubas. So I think that Marner, they're going to probably break up Matthews and Marner here eventually um, and try to spread them out a little bit and see what happens there. Um, I hope that they don't take a win against Chicago, like a four, one winning at Chicago as like, Oh, everything's solved now. Cause I don't think it is. This is a big tipping point game tomorrow. This is, this is my pick for game of the week. Cause I am just, I'm living in both these teams faltering. Um, if Chicago loses this game, they'll go to Oh six and one or Oh five and two. Um, and the people who aren't already calling for Jeremy Colleton's head are going to, um, to start off with seven consecutive losses. If Toronto goes into Chicago and is the first team to lose to the Blackhawks, obviously they're not going to go 0-82 Chicago. We all know that. They're going to win a game eventually. But if it's Toronto who goes in there and loses, there is going to be a serious problem. You mentioned you made the Vancouver joke, which top-notch joke right there, Quicks. But um, you met, like there, there's going to be a problem on t- Thursday morning. And if, if there is not a win for Toronto – um, they've looked really bad in pretty much every single game they play. They lost to San Jose, um, who, yeah, has had a pretty good start to the year. You mentioned what if they don't even make the playoffs. I think that that is not a crazy thing to say right now because you take a look at these standings. Not a single team in the Metropolitan Division is under 500. All of them are over 500. That includes Columbus, and that includes New Jersey. Philadelphia and New Jersey obviously haven't played a ton of games, but – they, there's not a single team under 500. There's multiple teams that haven't lost a regulation game yet. Three, Carolina, Washington, and Pittsburgh. You look at the Atlantic. Yeah, are Buffalo and Detroit going to be this good forever? No, they aren't. But they have, they're pretty good right now. Boston's obviously had a good start to the year, and Tampa's struggled. You, you can't bank on just getting the third Atlantic spot again, right? For, for the years prior to the pandemic, it was, oh, the three Atlantic spots are going to be Tampa, Toronto, and Boston. Why even play the regular season? Well, that's not true this year. Florida's a really good team, a really, really good team. So now you're, Toronto's talking about a wild card. So Do we see second place in the Eastern too? I'm the sorry? Buffalo the Buffalo yeah, Sabres are right behind the Panthers. And so what if Buffalo surprises us all and has just as good a season as Toronto? And now, so, okay. So it's Tampa, Boston, and Florida, let's say, who take the three spots. Now Toronto's in the wild card against teams like the Islanders, the Rangers, Philadelphia. They need to get into that top three, and they can't win a home game against San Jose. Like that, I, I think that there is much more reason for concern than maybe some Leafs fans are letting on. I This team looks really, really bad, and with as, how well a lot of Eastern Conference teams are playing right now, I, I do think it's a concern. Yeah, 
it's definitely concerning now, but but I, I do think it's just early season struggles and trying to get back into their own skates and really just be who they know they can be on the ice. I, I, I mean, look, what, what the Eastern Conference right now with having Buffalo being four and one with nine points in second place is just astonishing to see um, by itself. And no, I don't think what Buffalo is doing right now is going to be what they're, how they're playing all year. I think they're definitely going to drop down. And I think Toronto's going to jump up just like Boston and Tampa is going to do, but I just don't know if they're going to get in one of those top three spots. I, I don't know if they're better than Florida right now. I, I mean, the Panthers they're are, they're, they're not at all. And I don't know if that's, Again, an early season thing, but look, Florida had a great end to their season last year. And I just, I, I don't see them getting one of those top three spots. And it's going to be tough to get into that wild card with who they're going to have to play in that, in that game. So it's going to be interesting to watch this season unfold and where they go. But I, I do think it's just early season struggles. And I think they'll be able to, to pick something up with this Blackhawks game and hopefully gain some momentum going forward. I mean, we'll see. It, it totally depends on how, you know, they respond. If obviously like they, they're going to win this game against Chicago. And if they don't, you know, that this whole conversation goes out the window because we're in a whole new level of, of panic. But um, I think they, if they, if they get this win against Chicago, maybe, you know, Matthews and Marner get a single point, maybe, maybe multiple <laughs> in, in that game. That'd be pretty cool. Um, maybe they could build on that. I mean, obviously Matthews got his goal last night. Uh, and they still lost 4-1, but, um, I mean, I think that, you know, once you get some wins under your belt, you start remembering who you are as a player. I I, I don't want to panic too early, but it doesn't look good so far. And the way that they're, they've responded to all of the, you know, media, uh, you know, crisis management type stuff um, has not been really good. So uh, we'll see, I guess. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. All right, good stuff. Um, when's your first yarding game, Mike? Uh, it's a good question. And I definitely have to pull this question. I know Colin is going on Friday. Obviously, as I mentioned, Tyler and I are on for a long time. Um, and then the Rangers go on the road, so not a ton of... Yeah, I think it's not till like, like mid-November, which is really annoying. Just the way the schedule's worked out. Yeah, so not a ton of reporting stuff, but obviously a podcast every week. Uh, Tom Quigley, Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll talk to you 